Welcome to Hub & Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub & Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. My name is Morgan Evans. I'm an associate editor here with NGI. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Letitia Gonzalez, NGI's price and markets editor and expert. Today, we will be discussing something that is weighing on the minds of a lot of us, and that is natural gas prices on the Pacific coast, specifically California's gas situation and the factors causing it. We will be having a discussion on everything from wellhead to a residential energy meter. So buckle up, Grab a coffee, and we hope you enjoy this episode. To start, Letty, could you provide the backdrop of what natural gas prices have been doing in California and along the West Coast? Certainly, Morgan. So the situation in California is rather complex. At a high level, there are certain factors that have created this so-called perfect storm that has led to these extraordinary high prices that we've seen this winter. Now, first, there's been the weather. Unlike the rest of the country, the West Coast has really gotten the brunt of the harsh winter weather that we've seen this season. The region on the whole has been hit with a parade of storms that have continued to dump heavy amounts of snow and rain and driven up gas demand for heating. In fact, there's another monster storm that's approaching Southern California as we speak, and local utilities there are making preparations to restore potential power outages as soon as possible. But as we've seen this winter, prices have remained elevated even when temperatures have moderated. In fact, we've seen high prices even when daytime temperatures have risen to the 50s and 60s. So that leads us to some of the other short-term factors that have been in play in the region. Now, one of those, and it's a big one, is pipeline constraints. And so in December in particular, there were several maintenance events that took place on pipelines moving gas west. Now, this is a region that's already tight on pipeline capacity. El Paso Natural Gas's Line 2000 was out of service since the summer of 2021 after an explosion. This took more than half a BCF per day of pipeline capacity out of the market. But then there were other pipelines that also had curtailments in place that further restricted gas flows heading west. So you've got some weather, some tighter than usual pipeline capacity, And then you also just have more gas demand in general to make up some of the slack that has been lacking from hydroelectric supplies. Obviously, the region as a whole has been mired in a years-long drought, and that has seen some improvement this winter. But all of those things really combine to lead to those sharply higher prices that we saw in the region this winter. Now, what kind of impact has all this had on the storage situation? Well, there are some differences when you look at the northern part of California and the southern part. So, for example, Pacific Gas and Electric in the summer of 2021, they reclassified 51 BCF of storage inventories to cushion gas rather than working gas. So this meant that you couldn't inject, you couldn't withdraw. This took a huge chunk of supply out of the market. And really, there's been zero headway in replenishing those stocks. And so that's a huge part of the reason when you look at the EIA data and you're looking at the Pacific region in particular, you see that the EIA in its latest report, the Pacific only had 108 BCF in storage. This is down nearly 39% compared to last year. 
and more than 42% lower than the five-year average. Now, to put this in perspective, the South Central region, it's sitting at a 33% surplus. Wow, that's a huge difference. So strong demand, tight pipeline capacity, and tight supplies all coming to a head there. Are there any long-term factors that also may have had an impact in the high prices we've seen in California? Absolutely. Perhaps the most significant long-term factor that has really fueled this volatility this winter is the rapid shift away from fossil fuels to renewables. California has really been the leader when it comes to moving toward net zero carbon emissions. For example, in November, the state outlined a plan to slash greenhouse gas emissions by 85%. They're looking to build out a 100% clean energy grid. And most importantly, they're looking to reduce their fossil fuel consumption to less than one-tenth of what it is today. This would equate to a 94% drop in demand for oil and an 86% drop in demand for all fossil fuels. Now, California does have a solid portfolio of renewable energy. In fact, there have been days when wind and solar have met all of the state's electricity needs during brief periods throughout the day. But as we know, other sources of energy are needed as the sun sets and the wind stops blowing. There are hydro supplies that can be used to fill the gap, but As I mentioned earlier, California and the whole Western United States have been mired in a years-long drought that only recently has improved. So that leaves us with gas, and without the continued investment in gas infrastructure over the past several years, you're left with a market that's vulnerable to spikes when things like weather and pipeline outages occur. That has been a huge concern for some utilities. So... How high did prices in the region get this winter, and how does that compare to Henry Hub benchmark prices? Well, at the worst of the winter, which I will say I believe is in the rearview mirror now, we saw prices in Southern California average around $50, and that's in the cash market, in the spot market, and prices in the northern part of the state average closer to $60. Now, over at the Henry Hub in Southeast Louisiana, the highest prices we saw were around $8. And that also was in late December. So huge, huge difference there. And today, Henry Hub is around $2 and some change while prices in California are in the teens. So we do have that monster storm coming to that region here over the weekend. So we're not completely out of the woods when it comes to price volatility, but we're certainly in a much lower price environment than December and January. And I should mention a lot of that also is tied to the increase in pipeline capacity that we've seen. Some of those pipelines have ended their maintenance events. And we also have seen Line 2000 finally come back into service. So that's definitely improved the situation out there. Mm. But those higher prices are certainly going to have an effect on consumers down the pipeline. Well, indeed they will. And I know several utilities in the States have informed their customers of new rates. And Morgan, I know this is a side of the story that you've been following closely. So is there anything utilities are doing to help customers cope with the higher bills? There is, yeah. And to just give some perspective, several utilities last year had requested new rate plans and they were approved to start at the beginning of this year. So of course, that's also had some marginal effect on residential customers. But with gas procurement costs up 100% from January 2022 to January of this year, that has come down to a significant rise on bills as well. 
Additionally, in January this year, the gas cost procurement rate for PG&E, for example, their residential customers, was $1.34 per therm compared to $0.98 per therm in December of 2022. In February this year, prices went up again by $0.10 to $1.44 per therm. So at PG&E, a chunk of their recent press releases are urging customers to take advantage of the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program, that's known as LIHEAP, and they have issued a new rewards program, quote, at a time when higher natural gas prices are driving up energy costs, end quote. That program temporarily rewards residential customers when they reduce their energy use between the hours of 4 and 9 p.m., And as you mentioned, it's at this time when solar production is on the decline, especially in the winter with the sun setting before 6 p.m. And everyone's turning on lights, coming home and turning on appliances to cook dinner, plug in their electric vehicle, turn on the TV. So that'll increase demand at a time when solar production is going down. But PG&E can also send out flex alerts as directed by the state's grid operator, Kaiso. They will tell their customers, hey, we are having a tough time meeting increased demand right now. We know you're also having a tough time paying your electricity bills right now. Why don't you take some demand off and we will give you a $2 per kilowatt hour credit on your next bill. These were more common this past summer. That, of course, was when the drought and a heat wave was really affecting energy production in the state and demand was much higher for air conditioning and cooling needs. Now, PG&E had a presentation during the CPUCs on bank this week that focused on natural gas market conditions and impacts on electricity prices. And the utility said that the cold and early start to winter, prolonged drought, as you mentioned, lower gas storage inventories, and the pipeline constraints have increased demand by gas demand by more than 100 million cubic feet, which is a 13% rise over last winter. And demand for gas for electricity generation also rose by about 130 million cubic feet. That's up 19% from 2021. Now, there's certainly an argument to be had about increased electrification and goals for electric vehicles and zero emissions vehicles having a pretty substantial impact on the state's grid and demand. But as it stands now, with gas storage inventories down by about 18% this winter, according to PG&E's numbers, and the El Paso outage contributing to a 15% constraint on supplies, those numbers are pretty comparable. That would certainly put an upward push on prices, and that has affected consumers. Right. Well, you know, some of the demand destruction initiatives that PG&E has implemented, I, I know that's a very similar approach to what ERCOT is doing in Texas and what they did over the past summer when power consumption really started trending higher. And here, at least, I'm in Texas, so it did seem to do the trick. We didn't have any rolling outages. Is there anything else that these utilities in California are doing? Well, there's one initiative that came from the California Public Utilities Commission, the CPUC, and other regulatory agencies pushed for the timing of the California climate credit to show up on bills a couple months earlier this year. The credits are not based on income. They just appear on utility customers' bills, typically in April and November every year. And this year, they're coming a little earlier. They're coming in February and March. 
There are also programs available that have been around for years now where residential customers can sell the power generated by their own rooftop solar back to the grid that can ease some of the financial burden on their bills. PG&E and Tesla had been working to use customers' Tesla power walls, which are these rechargeable home batteries that are paired with solar, to sell that energy back to the grid when PG&E calls for it through an emergency warning as directed by Kaiso. That's part of the larger grids systems energy emergency load reduction program that was created in 2021 to sort of ease demand, as you said. Otherwise, a few California utilities have said they would amortize any past due bills over a couple months instead of one month. Many utilities this holiday season had donation programs to help customers pay outstanding bills. Okay. So yeah, definitely kind of using all tools in the shed to help consumers get through this winter. What about on the regulatory front? I mean, obviously I know our phones are ringing off the hook with people wanting to know more about like what's behind these prices and, and, you know, are they expected to come down? But I know that they've also caught the attention of the governor as well as some state officials in California. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, they did. The increase in electric and natural gas bills pushed the governor, Gavin Newsom, to ask FERC, otherwise known as the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, to investigate whether there's been any market manipulation or anti-competitive behavior. Senator Dianne Feinstein, who's also in California, also wrote her own letter to FERC asking to investigate any potential manipulation. As I discussed a moment ago, the CPUC has held some special sessions to give some more transparency as to why gas prices have been so high and to have utilities testify on the matter. Sempra's two utilities, SoCal Gas and SDG San Diego Gas and Electric, were also present at those and also cited pipeline constraints and storage inventories as a contributing factor. But truly, the goal of the CPUC's on-bank was to just give more clarity and transparency to the situation. It can be difficult for an average residential customer who doesn't have the time or really the need to stay updated on regional gas prices affecting their bills to understand what's going on. Now, at the same time, it's important to remember that this is not an issue isolated to natural gas prices. California, which despite being the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world, if it were its own country, has a higher cost of living than the rest of the country, and that's most notable with gasoline fuel prices. The CPUC is also holding investigations into whether oil refiners in the state are manipulating the market. But I think it's important to note that as these issues are getting so much attention because they all compile to have an effect on customers' wallets, which are already being stretched so thin by the continued inflation we've seen throughout 2022 and the start of 2023. Governor Gavin Newsom also had a bit to say on that and noted that California's, quote, state refiners made three times more last year than in 2021. And oil companies raked in $63 billion in just 90 days, end quote. So the government in California is quite clearly not happy with the fossil fuel industry in the state and has been keeping a close eye on the industry in 2023. It will be interesting to see if anything comes out of these calls to FERC and hearings with the state's oil refiners. Well, you're certainly right on that front. And obviously, you and I will be following that. These high prices really have just gotten the attention of a lot of people. Most importantly, as you mentioned, the consumers who who really don't have the bandwidth to fully 
immerse themselves in these markets the way you and I do. So it looks like you and I definitely will be writing about these issues for some time still. Yes, we certainly will. But for today, I think that's a wrap. Thank you for joining me, Letty. And thank you to all of our Hub and Flow listeners who took the time to get some insight into the California natural gas situation today. I hope you enjoyed and have a fantastic day. Cheers. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or midweek pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.